The Water Values Podcast, Session 53. Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to water utilities, resources, treatment, reuse, and all things water. Now here's your host, Dave McGimsey. Hello and welcome to another session of the Water Values Podcast. As my son Joey said, I'm Dave McGimsey. Thanks for joining me. Just a real quick note to start off, I'd really appreciate it if you could all go to thewatervalues.com and take the short survey that's linked on the homepage. Our first birthday's coming up, like, next week, and I thought it'd be good to find out what you liked and didn't like in the first year of the Water Values Podcast. Plus, it gives you an opportunity to provide some guidance on what topics you'd like me to focus on in the coming year. Again, it's very short, it's only 10 questions, and a big thanks to all of you who go out and take that survey. Again, it's at thewatervalues.com on the homepage. Well, today's podcast is the recording of the Q&A portion of the Western Governors Association Drought Forum webinar titled Community Outreach and Consumer Technology for Municipal Water Use. The, the webinar panelists include Rob Barnett from Drop Counter, Nicole Seltzer from the Colorado Foundation for Water Education. She's the first two-time guest whose appearances were recorded independently for the Water Values podcast, and Jeff Terrell from Denver Water. Uh, I had the distinct honor to moderate that esteemed panel. So uh, the entire webinar is available online if you'd like to check it out and hear and see the presentations each panelist gave. It's on the WGA's website, and I'll provide that link in the show notes for you. This is a fantastic roundtable discussion about municipal water use, conservation, and customer engagement issues. Now, with that said, let's get on with it. Open the valves, fasten your seatbelts, and here we go. Hey, thanks very much, Carly, and I'm all for making it, easy, making it easier on me. Really appreciate your comments there. Uh, well, it's great to be here, and I'm really looking forward to our program today. As Carly mentioned, I'm Dave McGimsey, a Denver-based attorney with Lewis Roker Rothgerber, uh, and we're a law firm that has offices throughout the southwest and Rocky Mountain region. Uh, and as Carly also indicated, I'm also host of the Water Values podcast, which I'm sure you all download on multiple devices and listen to every week religiously. So uh, thank you all for attending this webinar. You will not be disappointed with the content you're about to uh, to receive. I also want to thank the Western Governors Association for taking leadership on the issue of drought throughout this webinar series and the drought forum. You know, lots of organizations talk the talk. WGA is walking the walk. Well, the title of this webinar, as Carly indicated, is Community Outreach and Consumer Technology for Municipal Water Use. Uh, this to me is one of the more fascinating topics upon which drought touches. Urban water conservation has made dramatic gains incrementally over the past 20 plus years as a conservation ethic has taken root in more and more communities and more and more people. And the incremental nature of our improved water usage is important to note because these conservation gains have not occurred overnight. They're cultivated and developed over a long period of time. And that conservation ethic has also fostered a number of programs, like programs implementing more efficient water fixtures, either as retrofits or in new construction. And these conservation programs, including the water efficient fixture programs, have helped drive down water usage over time. And these conservation programs need constant attention and tweaking if they're going to be successful. So today we're going to meet some of those people who have nurtured and who are nurturing the conservation ethic behind a lot of these conservation programs. WGA has procured three terrific panelists for this webinar, 
each with unique perspectives on community outreach and consumer technology in a municipal setting to help shine a light on this important and ongoing issue. I'll now ask our presenters uh, to introduce themselves very briefly, you know, less than 30 seconds, essentially telling you who they are, uh, what company they're with, and uh, the perspective that they're representing, and then we'll get started into their presentations. Uh, so with that being said, uh, then we'll get into the, audi the audience, participa audience participation segment. So, uh, Rob, I'm going to throw it to you now to uh, give your brief introduction. Uh, we're a software company based just south of San Francisco. Uh, our mission is really to connect end users with uh, water that they're actually using. Uh, give them some insight in uh, terms of their true usage as well as some actionable tips in terms of how to save water. Terrific. Nicole, how about you introduce yourself? Good morning. Uh, my name is Nicole Seltzer. I'm the Executive Director of the Colorado Foundation for Water Education. We are a nonprofit organization based in Denver, and we work statewide in Colorado in order to provide education um, for our population on water issues to get people to sort of understand the basics, know how to be involved in um, making decisions around water, and to help advance the conversation about water in the state. Fantastic. And Jeff, how about your perspective? Yeah, yeah. thanks, Dave. Um, this is Jeff Terrell from Denver Water. I'm the manager of conservation here, and I'm representing the utility perspective for a very large utility. and. Uh, and our role in engaging all of our customers to use water wisely and be efficient with this precious resource. Terrific. Well, thanks very much for those brief introductions. We'll start the moderated portion of our program now, and I really, I really want to kind of frame the municipal water use issue. Um, and Jeff, I'll throw this to you since you're the utility. What, in your experience, what does municipal water use look like? Because we've talked a lot about residential. What, you know, what, what's your experience with municipal water use in general? Yeah, good, good question. Um, municipal water use is kind of, <laughs> you, you could say it's about anything that happens in a, a town, village, or city. Residential is what we generally think of, and that's indoor and outdoor for irrigation. Um, but it's also um, our breweries, it's our businesses, hotels, um, restaurants. Um, we have bottling plants in our, our service area. Um, so it's a wide range that it can be used for, and it goes, you know, into cooling. It goes into being used for industrial cleaning. All of those uses are captured when we say, you know, municipal use. Okay, uh, I'll throw it to you, Rob. What's what's your experience with uh, with drop counter and the and the utilities you've worked with? Uh, are are they primarily targeted toward the residential users, or are there commercial? Uh, users that are looking at this technology that you're using? You know, I think it's uh, it's all over the map, Dave. Um, I think that primarily uh, our product is designed for, for residential engagement, uh, so that's the way it's being applied uh, to date with some of our utility partners. That said, I mean, there's, there's utility for sure in terms of, um, you know, uh, distilling information into a usable form and delivering insights and uh, creating action uh, at the commercial level as well. So we have had some, some conversations with, with big commercial entities and some of uh, our partner service areas. Okay. Uh, Nicole, you made a, a very good point that there's a lot of complexities around water 
uh, and you make an effort to communicate those simply, um, what types of outreach uh, have you found to be most effective uh, in, in getting, getting the word out about you know, water usage? Yeah, so, um, you know, Dave, I think there there is no silver bullet, in my opinion. I, in my opinion, what you need is a mix of different kinds of programs that reach across, you know, the sort of ideological and socioeconomic boundaries. So you need a mix of programs that are, you know, on the ground that make a connection between people's everyday lives and the different sort of management styles of, you know, for water. You need to create a sense of personal responsibility through interaction and experience. So those, you know, getting people together, having conversations, seeing the infrastructure, understanding how it sort of plays into the water they get in their homes, that's very important. But you also need to have sort of bite-sized information that people can easily access when they have, you know, five minutes and they, they want to sort of learn something about water and you need to sort of push that out as well as pull people in. Um, and then you also need, you know, in-depth information for people. I kind of call it the difference between, like, the browsers versus the researchers. And you've got to have information that's bite-sized and quick and easy to digest. And then you also need to have sort of long-form journalism or, you know, more sort of in-depth research reports that people can really get into if they find something that piques their interest. Um, and so, so I don't think there is sort of one program that works best. I think you have to hit people on multiple levels. That's a great point, I think, that there's segmentation within the customer base, and each one uh, could need a different type of content to get to them about, uh, you know, their water usage. So, Jeff, what's been your experience at Denver Water with that? Uh, yeah, that, I think I agree completely with what Nicole just said, that uh, market segmentation is so important, and uh, the more we work with, you know, communicating efficient use to customers, we find out more and more about how to do that better. And, uh, I mean, a good example of that is we've had a water budget program where we communicate how much is an efficient use for these larger HOAs, community associations, and parks, schools, districts like that, that are big irrigators. As we've set that up, we've found that, you know, it's like some of them, this report worked really well for because it really hit their needs, whereas other ones, because they were a smaller area, they had uh, different complexities of indoor use with a big cooling tower or something or industrial process, this report didn't work very well when we're having to rethink how we communicate to that customer type and really get that product to be what is going to help them get where they're going. Um, it, it's difficult, and you don't know what you don't know until you actually start working with the customer and figuring it out. Jeff, do you have any? Or excuse me, Rob, do you have any thoughts on um, on you know customer segmentation and, and communication to them? Well, I mean, I think you know a lot of the market research we've done in the form of, of survey work with end users. I mean, there are a few themes that come out. Um, certainly, lack of knowledge in terms of how much water individuals are using is, is a consistent one. People just don't really have the connection to, to how much water they're using, and um, without knowing that, it's it's difficult to really identify ways to, to conserve. And, so if you if you ask folks to guess uh, how much water they think they use, they consistently guess about 50% of their actual usage, um, which is part of the problem right there. Um, and I guess furthermore, if you ask them you know, to guess how they compare to others like them, 
um, fundamentally, everyone thinks that they're they're better than average, uh, and this is an element of, of behavioral psychology that uh, we've tried to deploy in the drop counter product. Sure. Uh, so when when we when we come to conservation programs that are implemented, Jeff, you you indicated a number of, of elements for a conservation program, uh, and rebates seem to be a pretty consistent consistent thing. What are some issues that surround rebates uh, for utilities to consider when they're when they're thinking about a rebate program? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, rebates, when we look at them, th there's primarily two reasons you'd want to do a rebate. One, you're trying to incentivize, you know, getting your marketplace, your actual um, what is being sold out there in the marketplace to change. And if you can change that marketplace, everybody else that comes in after you stop doing the rebate will probably get that better new product that wouldn't have been there. The other one is you're trying to in, you're trying to increase how quickly people adopt these new technologies. So you want to look at how soon is something coming to you, like how soon is this, this horizon of where you really need these either reductions or efficiencies. So you would want to set up, set up your, you know, your rebate program to get those. And you'd start having to look at your service area and know how old is your plumbing fixtures because of age of housing. You want to know how big is your use for outdoor irrigation, those kinds of things, and also knowing what's acceptable in your community. You have to do a lot of outreach, as you know, Rob talked about. You need to do surveys and really get out and say, what is it, what's acceptable, what's not within our community? And, and I think that really touches on a thread that ran through all three presentations, and that is really you know, customer engagement. You know, drop counter engages with customers through through putting the usage right there. Nicole really emphasized uh, customer engagement, and, and you're e emphasizing customer engagement. Nicole, uh, I'll put it to you. What what do you see as effective strategies for engaging that customer on water usage? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, you know, and I'm going to sort of rely on on something that is kind of fundamental to you know like the environmental education profession, which is it's something called Bloom's Taxonomy. And if you don't know what that is, basically it's it's kind of a, a pyramid that, were, that was created in the 1950s that defines the process of learning. And basically what it says, and you can Google Bloom's Taxonomy and, and kind of see what it looks like, but basically it's a pyramid that basically says you need to remember a fact before you can understand its implications and then apply that understanding to modify your behavior. Right, so you have to, there's a series of steps that you have to go through in order to get somebody from not knowing something to knowing something to understanding its implications and then to applying it to their life. And, and ultimately, you know, in this context, we're talking about um, influencing their behavior around, you know, their consumption of water. And so when you design educational programs, you have to sort of think through each of those steps and say, okay, how, how do we introduce basic information that people can access easily and remember? And then once they have the information and we know that they can sort of understand it, how do you get them to care enough to sort of apply it to their life? And how do you arm them with the facts of, you know, or the different behavior changes that you're actually looking for? And those would be in the form of, you know, like rebates and tearing out your lawn or putting in an automated sprinkler timer. You know, and so it's this whole kind of 
series of actions that you have to go through from basic awareness to behavior change. Mm -hmm. and, and Rob, you bring into this, this conversation the behavioral psychology. Uh, you, you indicated, hey, this is the proverbial keeping up with the Joneses during your presentation. Um, what type of you know, water savings are you typically seeing uh, from year to year? Through, through utilities that are using your product? Well, you know, it's, it's early days for us, Dave, uh, so we don't have any uh, results that we've released so far, but this has been shown to be successful, um, especially in the energy space. Um, and, and often folks see about a 5% reduction uh, in energy or water just through making that information available to, to end users. And again, giving them some context and some motivation uh, to keep up with others like them. Okay. And w one of the things you indicated with Drop Counter is that it provides um, information in ways customers can understand, specifically in units of consumption. Uh, I've I've been billed before in CCFs, and I have no idea what a CCF is. But you know, how, how does how does that engagement with the customer in terms of, of providing information in an understandable format, you know, how, how, is, how have you seen that really uh, help move the product along and, and further customer education about this? Yeah, sure. I mean, that's, that's one of the first reactions we get from folks when they actually sign up for the service and they can see how much they use day on day and real gallons. And the response is, wow, I had no idea how much water I used. And even in my particular case, I mean, I'm on drop counter. I see my, my hourly uh, water usage data. And uh, I took a look at my, my daily trend and saw a big spike at 4 a.m. and said, wow, you know, why am I using 700 gallons at 4 a.m. in the morning? And with a little sleuthing, I uh, understood that that was when my sprinklers went off. Um, and so that definitely changed my behavior, just having access uh, to that information and a little bit of insight from the logic behind the app. Okay. Uh, well, we'll move on to some uh, listener and attendee questions. Uh, this is the first one is for Jeff, and it's to what factors do you attribute the dip in single-family household water use? Yeah, I think the the factors are you know kind of threefold, and number one is new technology. I mean, we're seeing. Um, if you look back to the 1980s, we had uh, like a flush volume for a standard toilet was five gallons. It moved from down to three and a half, then down to 1.6. We now are rebating for you know less than one gallon per flush on that on a toilet. So that that's a really good example of, and that's you know about a quarter of the water use at a typical home is for toilet flushing. You reduce that from five gallons to less than one, so 20% of the use, but still getting a good, you know, product out of it, good use. Um, the other one is that we have more people paying attention. That uh, you know, the, the the idea that water is important, I think, is much more like prevalent today than it was 20 years ago. Um, and that that goes to the education, that goes to what the news has been saying. These the droughts actually help us quite a bit, get, getting some attention on this. And the last one is I think that the utility that we have actually put in, you know, programs to actually get things to happen, and we we've started to manage demand side reductions versus just saying that's a thing that happens. So I think we're seeing this happen across the Western U.S. across the country, and we're it it can probably lead back to those three factors for the most part. 
Okay. Uh, a question for Rob. Um, there are various companies like yours that are customizing utility records and bills to the customers. Doesn't your app only work if Drop Counter has a contract with the customer's utility? That is true. So, um, you know, we function through partnership with the water utility, at which point we take uh, the meter data and the customer data that they have in-house, and then we analyze that and present it, again, back to the customer. Um, so, the, yeah, the questioner is, is correct. I mean, they can only connect with their information if we have an existing partnership with their utility. Uh, that said, we have an interesting feature um, on the app, if you were to download it, that allows end users uh, who don't see their utility represented as a prospective partner. Uh, it's an opportunity for them to actually contact their utility and request more granular and convenient access to their information. Got it. And there was another question for you. Um, where are you getting the data to make the comparison of homes similar to yours? Are you using government databases or property size and census information? Sure, so we, uh, we mine a lot of existing data sets with respect to parcel size, uh, property size, and then uh, when an individual signs up for the app, they go through a simple three-question sign-up process. One of those questions uh, is related to household occupancy, and that's how we base our indoor water budgeting number, uh, as well as uh, use that to base our comparison to others. Sure. Uh, we have one for Nicole. Has the Colorado Foundation for water, water Education used games and game theory to build or promote water education, either with adult or with student populations? Yeah, that's a great question. We have not, um, and that kind of goes back to the um, the point that I made in initially that I think that you know at least in the, in Colorado I think we're somewhat behind the curve in terms of using technology in water communications and education. Um, I know a couple of people in Colorado that have started down the path of development of some of the like gamification apps and and web based you know, web-based programs. Um, we have not gotten into that yet, but it's definitely on my radar screen, and it's something that, you know, we're talking about in terms of next steps for our education programs. Great. Uh, we have one for Jeff, but I think, Nicole, you might also weigh in on this at, at, after Jeff has, has um, spoken. Uh, how are you educating or working with developers building new housing development? Oh, that, that is a very timely question. Um, we've, we're actually working on that. Um, I'm in a week-long meeting discussing our role in new development practices. How do we bring on new types of development that we've never seen before? Um, these are denser, um, bigger houses at times, very close together, sometimes stacked, sometimes side by side. Um, and how do we get those to be the most water use efficient they can be? And some of that is to start looking at educating is our first one to say, why is building with water use efficiency important to the developer? I mean, number one for us is to say, the, the, less, the less water these customers use, if they come on efficient, that's more development that we can do down the road. And it'll keep your rates lower, it'll keep your tap fees lower. And I think in the end, we're gonna look at how do we incentivize a, these groups to come in, a developer to say, we're gonna build really great product, really dense, very high water use efficient, 
and how do we incentivize that on the tap fee? How do we incentivize that some way to make sure that the, that the best stuff out there really is is going to shine? Okay, Nicole, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I do. Um, so we're doing a couple of things right now that, that kind of have to do not necessarily with the development community itself, but with, with those that sort of have regulatory or decision-making oversight of the development process. So we are working with um, a lot of the county commissioners and the planning departments um, on the front range we're developing a new educational program that's kicking off in April that's specifically geared toward those individuals and to try to get people to sort of understand the nexus between land use planning and water resources management and how different development styles can impact water use. And so we're working on right now a series of educational programs starting in kind of starting in June or really starting in April, and then those will roll out through the summer and the fall. It'll be specifically focused on sort of land use planning and the nexus with water supply. So if you're interested in that, stay tuned. We'll have a lot coming out within the next six months. Okay, another question for Jeff. Uh, how has total municipal water production at Denver Water changed? And a related question, are cities in the Southwest concerned about economic growth being curtailed by limited water supplies? Yeah, I mean, how has the overall, like we're saying, the question is total treated demand, like for? Well, I think they're talking total um, total water production. Mm -hmm. Yeah, total water production has, I mean, if you look back, I mean, every year is slightly different because we have irrigation use that, you know, is sometimes it's very hot and dry, so it spikes up. Uh, sometimes it's uh, cold and rainy, so it comes back down. But if you look back, our general trend from 1975 or so, 1980 to 2015, we've been on a you know a slight decrease on overall water uh, demand through that time period, even as population has added in 350,000 more people. Um, I now wish I had put that on my the slideshow so people could see it, but um, it's certainly out and available, I think, even on our website. But we've seen, you know, a, a fairly good trend of moving down, and, you know, specifically since our drought of 2002 was really our high point. Uh, 2000, 2001 were the most water that we ever produced, and we have not gone back to that for the last 15 years. Okay, and our final question is for Rob. What is it about an app that is particularly powerful for water users? Can this or other apps help users better understand the water system as a whole or just their own use? Mm. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, I think, you know, just going back to uh, the ubiquity of mobile and the fact that 75% uh, of Americans now own a smartphone. That is really the medium through which most folks interact with information, uh, personal or otherwise. Um, and so I think that, yeah, that really speaks to our thesis that, you know, delivering this information via mobile uh, is really the way not only to drive awareness with respect to conservation and, and personal use, uh, but really drive action, uh, making, making water use personal. Uh, through that connection with, with the end user's phone. Terrific. Well, th I want to thank you, the panelists, Rob, Nicole, and Jeff, for a terrific job today. 
and it's been a great uh, pleasure hosting and moderating this uh, this webinar. So I'll throw it back to Carly uh, for some final housekeeping. But thank you very much. Uh, we've learned a lot today and really appreciate everyone's time. And thank you for your attendance. Well, I hope you enjoyed that discussion with three great leaders in the world of municipal water conservation. Uh, there were a lot of things to focus on in that conservation, you know, a lot of fascinating things like the rebate issue. When is it right? When is it not? And what's the impact of having the rebates? But I'm just going to focus on uh, one rather simple but incredibly important takeaway, and that's communication. You know, last week you heard Susan Latvala discuss how important communication was between a utilities board and its staff. This week, the conversation turned to communication and engagement between the, the utility and users or just engagement about water issues in the community in general. And to me, that's the key, communication. We need to continuously engage with water users, with board members, with utility staff, and with each other generally on water issues if we're going to have any hope of continuing the progress we've made on water efficiency and water use. Again, a rather simple takeaway, but one that is so important. Well, you can check the show notes out for this session at thewatervalues.com forward slash pod 53. Leave a comment on the show notes or email me at david at thewatervalues.com. You can also tweet at me at DTM1993, and you can tweet about the podcast using the hashtag watervalues. And don't forget to please rate and review the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast directories. And please don't forget to tell your friends and colleagues about the podcast and to sign up for the Water Values newsletter, which can be done at thewatervalues.com. Finally, one more plug for the survey. Please go to the watervalues.com homepage uh, and take the linked survey. Again, very short, 10 questions. Would really appreciate any input you have on that. In closing, please remember to keep the core message of the Water Values podcast in mind as you go about your daily business. Water is our most valuable resource. So please join me by going out into the world and acting like it. listening to the Water Values Podcast. Thank you for spending some of your day with my dad and me. Thank you for tuning into the disclaimer. I'm a lawyer licensed in Colorado and Indiana, and this podcast does not establish an attorney-client relationship with you or anyone else. And information in this podcast should not be considered legal advice. Further, this podcast is not a solicitation for professional employment. I'm just a lawyer who finds water issues interesting and who believes greater public education about water issues is necessary. And that includes enhancing my own education about water issues because no one knows everything about water. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.